and welcome to Best Laid Plans. This is Sarah Hardunger, and this is the podcast where we talk all things planning and planning adjacent. It has come to my attention as I am gathering some of my podcasting material together for a possible future project that I had never done an episode specifically dedicated to tracking things. And I realized that was quite a gap because so much of planning involves collecting data and tracking things. And I do believe it's a side of planning that has some really wonderful aspects of it, but can also have a darker or negative side. And so I thought this would be a really interesting thing to talk about. Before we delve into our topic, however, today I'm going to start with a Q&A that I received that I really liked. Even though sometimes I save my questions to do all Q&A episodes, lately I've been combining them with review episodes or a topic like this one. I'd be interested in hearing what you prefer, whether you like your Q&A all at once. I do know that I certainly enjoy listening to podcasts when they're just all Q&A because you never know what to expect. But at the same time, sometimes I feel like you guys ask such good questions that I don't want to have to save them all. I want to just answer them. So here we go with one of the questions. This one comes from a listener I will call S, who has been listening to both Best Laid Plans and Best of Both Worlds, my other podcast um, that I do with Laura Vanderkam for at least a year or two now. And she said she has been meaning to write in with a question for so long that now she has new questions specifically related, well, one of the questions to the fact that she is a new parent. She just gave birth to her first child in November of 2021 and is trying to figure out how to make all the pieces fit together as a new mom. She is in academia and married to a resident, so she feels a connection to me that way in my medical life. So I thought these were just such great questions. The first one is about do-it-yourself or zero-waste planning methods. She writes, Although I love to ogle pretty planners, I never buy them for myself for several reasons. My planning needs vary dramatically with some heavily schedule-driven days, some list-driven days, and some wildly unpredictable days. I worry about forgetting to bring a physical planner or losing it somewhere. I know I would never throw away used planners, but I don't want to accumulate or store a stash of them. And I'm a bit of an eco-nerd who can't quite justify purchasing a planner when I have so much scrap paper around. She writes, I use Google Calendar to keep track of my scheduled events, a combination of Google Tasks and Todoist to collect recurring and date-specific tasks, and usually a sheet of scrap paper printed on one side to plan each day. Her general go-to format has a brain dump of tasks on the right side of the page, roughly grouped by importance, type and location, and predicted duration, and on the left side, either a rough sketch of the day's schedule, indicating unscheduled times, which she can think of as buckets that she can fill with tasks. That is totally how I think of blocks of time like that as well. Or a cue of her next couple tasks, so that would be more like the time block planning method of Cal Newport fame. She writes, while this system works pretty well for me, I'm always interested in optimizing and keeping things fresh. Do you have any insight or advice regarding creating one's own daily and weekly planning materials, ideally being as zero waste as possible? So the first thing I will say is that I do feel a little guilty that I'm certainly nowhere near zero waste when it comes to planners. So I can't exactly preach from the pulpit about, you know, how to be a really amazing steward of the environment in this regard. However, I did some brainstorming to think about ways you might be kinder to the environment, but still get to try some different types of planners. 
So I thought of a couple avenues. First of all, there's always the good old buy nothing group. And people have planner fails all the time, especially this time of year. February or March, they may have gotten super, super excited about a new system, but then realized it wasn't going to work. And that planner was just going to lie blank or dormant for the next nine months. And then truthfully, if it's a dated planner, no one's really going to be using it after the fact. So it might be if you're in a buy nothing group, and I'm guessing if you're an eco nerd, you might already be. You could request anybody have a planner fail they're willing to part with. They could even, you know, rip out the, um, if it's a spiral bound, easily rip out the weeks that they've already used. And you could have almost a fresh product that would last you from, you know, March to December or April to December because this episode does air in April. So I think that would be one way that you could perhaps get your hands on a traditional planner that wouldn't have so much of an environmental impact. The other option would be looking on eBay or Etsy for planners that are being sold well after the start date. Because again, Probably if someone doesn't buy them, they're going to end up recycled or in a landfill anyway. So I can't imagine the huge impact of buying a planner that's already been printed and started to be used by somebody else. There's also printable options. So if you have a lot of scrap paper that's printed on one side, you could buy a printable templates and use your scrap paper and just print on one side. So for example, a lot of established brands sell printable pages of their own planners. And I just did some browsing and for example, Get to Workbook um, sells printables that you can use for your weekly layouts. And I think Passion Planner may have free printables for their daily layouts as well. So you could certainly put together a planner made up of established planner layouts on your own scrap paper if you wanted to. The other super green option is to go entirely digital and purchase layouts that look like real planners. I know we've had people asking about these types of planning techniques in the past, and I don't have personal expertise with them, but there is a whole world out there of people who love to buy these templates. And I know that companies like Archer and Olive sell some digital planning products and templates. So you could go all on a screen and still have a sheet that looks very much like your beloved page. You could even go all digital. It sounds like you're already halfway there. But like if you were to force me, I could probably survive with a combination of Google Calendar, maybe Todoist and Apple Notes where I would write my template out for each day on Apple Notes. You could use one for calendaring, one for lists, and one digital filing cabinet or virtual notebook. So you could go kind of minimalist if you really didn't want to be using any paper whatsoever. I thought that was a great question, and if other people have good ideas about how to be as zero waste as possible while still exploring new types of planners, I would be happy to hear them. I also know I have one friend who thinks that we should um, have some sort of best laid plans planner exchange where people send in their planner fails and we can ship them to people who want them, so perhaps we could figure out some sort of trade system in the future. All right, the second question that this listener wrote in with is about planning with their childcare. She writes that since they are new parents, they're about to get started with their first nanny when they return to work at the end of next week. Her husband's schedule changes from week to week, and her flexibility varies by semester since she's an academic, and they want to develop a system to plan out their nanny's hours and keep everyone in the loop. Have I devised such a system, and if so, what has worked well? She asked what tool to use. She was thinking about Google Calendar, but then thinking maybe paper would work, how much detail to implant, and how often to touch base. So I personally use a whiteboard for this that I fill out every single week that goes through basically 
you know, a little sketch of what's happening each day in terms of who is taking my children to school, who has what activities, if there's any special clothing needed, like if it's a swim day for one of my kids, things like that. And I do that every single Sunday. It's just part of my rotating weekly review task list that I know I have to do every week. And part of my process after I fill out the board for my husband to see and my kids to see is I send a picture on my phone, both to my husband, so he has a record, and our nanny, so that even before the weeks begins, she knows exactly what she can expect because our days vary a lot now because a lot of times I drive the kids to school and so I may not need her to come in till much later. And then some nights I have meetings that go later, so I may need her to stay later. So all of that information is there at least by Sunday night. If there's a bigger event, I also um, keep a paper calendar that I just actually am using a super easy solution where I just print them off of time and date and put any big family event up on our fridge. As I've spoken about before after Christine was our guest, she talked about these beautiful quarterly paper planners that you could use to show all the vacations and school days off. And I'm definitely thinking about transitioning to something like that in the future. But my easy solution of just a printout of one month and putting that on the fridge has been enough looking at longer range commitments. And so the combination of those things always keep her in the loop as to what's going on. And they've worked really, really well for us. All right. Those were such great questions. I'm so glad I got to share them today. Oh, and I have one more question. I love this one. It's super sweet. Okay. This comes from listener Jay. She writes, I am about to celebrate my 25th wedding anniversary. I was thinking of making a journal type memory book with one section for each year, writing and capturing where we were, where we lived, trips, etc. I love the Japanese style of Hobonichi, but have not ventured out to use them yet. Was wondering if you have any ideas on what I could use. I'm planning to go back through my old planners and pull out info for my 25 years of adventure book. I'm also hoping to leave space in the book so my kids could also write in in it if they want. Oh, so cute. I mean, there are so many different ways you could do this. And if you're bold enough to want to slice and dice your prior planners, I think it would be so cool to show little snippets of like what you planned with the actual dates, especially if you actually have really, really old planners that show different parts of your relationship. However, I understand not everybody is willing to slice and dice old planners. So that, you know, your mileage may vary with that. Since you love the Japanese style of planning, one option might be actually to use a traveler's notebook style. A traveler's notebook, I haven't really covered that much in this podcast, but you can find 9 million YouTube videos talking about it. It's this really flexible option where you have multiple soft cover notebooks, usually in like, uh, I feel like they're B6 size a lot of the time. They're like a little bit narrower and taller than your traditional A5. And they kind of get like, there's an elastic that keeps them all in one dedicated book that then closes with a tie. I feel like without a picture, that sounds so nebulous. But the cool thing about a traveler's notebook is that you can have as many, depending on the size of your system, you can have as many of these little soft cover books as you want. So maybe you could have like one for each five-year period, or maybe like one for pre-kids and one for post kids or one for each kid. I don't know. You could organize it however you want. And a lot of them are made on beautiful archival paper. Like Midori is one of the main brands that sells traveler's notebook products. And then there's many others and you could paste things in, you could write on it. You could have your kids write on it. You could put in um, maybe some like little sticker photos in there as well. And then the fact that it would be in a traveler's notebook format means you could even add to it and create a like later book later on, five years from now, celebrating your next five years. So I don't know, that was just one potential example. There are endless possibilities of how you might want to create this, but I think that would be really, really beautiful and a really cool way to commemorate 25 years of adventures. What a sweet idea. I love it. 
All right, we're going to take a quick ad break and we are going to get into my topic today of tracking things. Today's episode is brought to you in part by Jenny Kane. I love Jenny Kane and I hope you love shopping there to support the show. When you do, visit JennyKane.com and use code PLANS for 15% off your first order. We are now well into spring and there's no better time to shop for beautiful cotton sweaters that can take us right into the next season. And definitely take a look at their dresses. They have so many pretty ones. I'm obsessed with the day dress. It's so classic and versatile. Plus, everything in their collection is designed so intentionally that you can style pieces together without a second thought. All of their sweaters and tops pair with jeans, work pants, and more, and can be styled to fit practically any occasion. Find your new spring uniform at JennyKane.com. Our listeners get 15% off your first order when you use code PLANS at checkout. That's 15% off your first order at J-E-N-N-I-K-A-Y-N-E.com. Promo code PLANS. Let getting dressed be one less thing to worry about. Today's episode is sponsored in part by Factor. Factor is sponsoring this episode with an awesome discount code, PLANS50, to give you 50% off your first month and 20% off the next. Trying out our sponsors helps keep the show going, and I think this is a wonderful time to give it a try, given that it's always a busy season. Factor offers no prep and no mess meals that are tailored to your wellness goals. They offer multiple options from protein plus to plant-based to keto and many more. No matter what your health goals are, you can keep kitchen time to a minimum while enjoying healthy and delicious meals with premium ingredients with Factor. You can get started feeling great and fueling well now by giving them a try. Head to factormeals.com plans50 and use code plans50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code plans50, P-L-A-N-S 50 at factormeals.com plans50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, I am back and we are going to discuss tracking, the good, the bad, and the ugly. So before we get into some of the positives and negatives, I made kind of a non-comprehensive list of what could you track. Some of these are things that I do track and some of these are things that I might have tracked at one point but don't anymore. And some of these are things that I've never even considered tracking but that I've seen other people who have done it. So It could include workouts that are detailed or not, like with information of exactly what you lifted, or it could just say whether you did a run or a strength workout or whatever. You could track screen time in various formats, in graphical format or by using the screen time app on your phone. You could track books read, either the number of books read, the pages read, or the specific books you read each year. You could pivot and track reading time instead of focusing on quantity of books read. You could track sleep, either the quality of sleep or the quantity of your sleep or both. I know a lot of people love to use like the Aura Ring or different watch devices to do that. You could track food. You could be really, really basic. I tend to track food in a very basic 
non-detailed way just to like see if I can get patterns for things like how I feel and my workouts and my headaches, but other people will track like every calorie or every macro or things like that. You could track gratitude, like three things you're grateful for each day. I know some bullet journalers are super into tracking the weather or the weather forecast with cute little weather graphics at the top of each page. You could track your family's meal plans. I love the idea of having like a binder of all the things I made for my family during a year. And maybe there'll be a year that I do that. It hasn't happened yet, but I think it's such a cool idea. I know like that was what gave birth to uh, Jenny Rosenstrack's book, Dinner, A Love Story. She used to track everything she made for her family, whether they liked it, et cetera. And she includes images from that tracking in her cookbooks. That was really, really cool. You could track travel, like a list of places you want to go and then check them off as you do. You could track different like daily habits like meditation, walking, number of steps that you're taking or like Duolingo use, some app that you want to use. You could track medications or vitamins to make sure that you're taking them every day. I know that my patients that are on certain medications, I urge them to keep a paper calendar and check them off to make sure they're not regularly missing them. You could track words written like the guest Dr. Christine Co did. She tracked a certain number of words written in terms of like free writing or on a novel every single day. Their possibilities are absolutely endless. That was just like a totally non-comprehensive list, but might give you some ideas of things that are interesting to track. And then there are about 9 million different ways you could track each of those things. You could do it every single day where you never go and look back. Like you fill out a daily page and then when that day's over, you move on to the next day. So you never like do any accounting or to say how many you do in a month or year. Sometimes that can be a really nice way of tracking to give yourself accountability without giving yourself stress if you're not meeting your goals. Some people like to track weekly, so that can be a nice compromise. Other people like to fill out a much longer term sheet, like in the Power Sheets or the Commit 30 Planner, you can track off habits for the month and see how many you get. I know it's also really popular to, um, there's been some like memes on Instagram, or you could check off that you did a habit for a month and post that. You could track really long term, like in the yearly pages of the Homonichi, there's this layout that's wonderful for tracking different habits and you could track them the entire year. Or you could create various collection layouts in a bullet journal or a planner. You could even track only digitally, like so lots of people like to use nutrition apps or workout apps, etc. So about 9 million different variation on how you could track things. And there's no one right way to track anything. So if you've tried tracking something in one way, for example, maybe you've kept a list of books read and it's not serving you, maybe you might want to try another way where you just track, did I read for 10 minutes this given day? And you only look at it daily and then you move on. So it's like there's a million different variations, even if you're trying to work on the same end goal. So what is good about tracking? It can be really motivating. It can be fun. It can help you look for patterns over time. So like in the medical world, a lot of times if you're having something like headache or stomach pain, it's important to track like what's going on in your life so you can see if there's any variables that affect those things. Although as a migraine sufferer and somebody who likes to use a planner, I have to say it can be so hard because you just don't know what is important to track. And also when you have a headache, you don't always feel like writing something in your planner. So, you know, there's that. You can have healthy competition with others or just compare yourself to yourself. That can be good for certain people. And it can be fun for certain people to track things, just inherently pleasurable to create these layouts and look at how many books you've read, etc. 
However, as I mentioned, there are definitely some darker sides as well. I listed among the bad that you might get discouraged about having too many blank spaces and want to throw in the towel earlier than you would have if you weren't tracking in the first place. And then I think it can be really discouraging if you're tracking things you don't have direct control over. For example, you might track your weight or your Instagram followers or podcast downloads, but those are not things that you can like really directly control. So it can just be really frustrating to track them. On the ugly side, certain types of tracking can really make you become obsessive. I've read literature that suggests that certain types of tracking and eating apps can lead to a higher risk of eating disorders, and that's terrible. Tracking might make you feel bad or lower your self-efficacy because if you time and time again show that you can't meet some arbitrary goal, you might feel worse about yourself or feel less confident about your abilities to meet different goals you set for yourself. And you might just feel bad because you're not living up to an arbitrary standard. Like someone on Instagram showed that they, you know, walked every day for a month. Why can't you do that? But you have to remember that nobody, nobody said you had to fill every box. Nobody is telling you that you need to compare your habit achievement to theirs. And Nobody said you had to keep tracking forever. So there are certain types of tracking that might be warranted to do as little experiments, little data gathering exercises, or little motivators. But when they're not serving you, you can leave them behind and either track something else or stop tracking entirely for a while. So I think this was just such an interesting topic to explore. And I would like to know, listeners, if you are in a planner or you like to use digital tools, What are things that you have tracked that have served you in a positive way? And perhaps what are some things that you have tracked that have served you negatively? I will also admit that there are things that I'm really bad at tracking. So time, I'm a really bad time tracker. My podcast co-host on Best of Both Worlds, Laura Vanderkam, has tracked her time for literally seven years. The key, I think, is you don't get too granular, so you can't beat yourself up for not like having details about every single minute, but she's been able to do it pretty well in half-hour increments for a long time. I fail every time I try. I can do it for like a week and then that's it. I also am not able to ever track like food in any kind of, I don't know, objective manner. I just think it's so hard to measure things and I eat a lot of things with different components. So even on the few times I've like tried to see if I'm getting enough protein or whatever, it's just ended very, very quickly. But some people who are like bodybuilders are really into doing that and can do it in a healthy way, which is not everyone. Some people really find that it serves them. So You know, people are just really, really different in what benefits them to track and what they enjoy tracking and what they are able to track. So I would just be interested in some individual takes. Perhaps if anybody would like to leave an audio comment, you can do it through SpeakPipe and I could share a few of them on a future episode about, you know, what's been a good tracking experience for you and maybe what has not been so good. Anyway, I hope this has been a fun topic. I realized it was a major gap in what I had covered thus far and I am definitely accepting ideas for future topics, especially of things related to planning that I haven't covered in the 80-some episodes I've done so far or things that you think I should cover. As always, thank you so much for listening. I appreciate each and every one of you that subscribe and listen to this podcast. If you've never left a review, I would love it if you left a review on whatever podcast platform you use or Apple Podcasts. And as always, you can find me at my website and blog, theshoebox.com. T-H-E-S-H-U-B-O-X.com. And you can find all of my contact information there as well. Thank you again for listening and have a wonderful week. This podcast is part of the Sound Advice FM Network.
Sound Advice FM, Women's Voices Amplified.